Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program is all about our state's largest industry, agriculture. On this week's show, we'll talk with Randy Watkins, who, along with his brother Don, founded Granville Equipment in Granville, North Carolina. If you harvest a bit of tobacco, there's a good chance you have some of their tan and brown equipment in a shed somewhere. My co-host Jeff Turner will be along in a minute or two, and we'll kick around the headlines that are affecting agriculture in North Carolina. Cooler weather last week or two, harvest almost over. Pumpkins, corn stalks, gourds and squash, and a drift of cotton at intersections here and there. Also, fall back in time. Yep, it's autumn. If you're traveling out of state or if you have folks coming to visit for Thanksgiving, serve up what we do better than anybody else, sweet potatoes and peanuts. I tell you, if I'm out of state, I'm always let down if I have one of the two. And add to that, if you want to, a Frasier fir wreath or a Christmas tree in a few weeks. Ag and NC is made possible by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. You'll find links to those fine folks on our website, agandnc.com. Let's venture to Duplin County and hook up with the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Ag, Jeff Turner. How are things in D.C., Jeff? It's been a cool, cool time. We had frost on the pumpkin last week. This first day with uh, time change. Yeah, I wish they'd leave it alone. I do, too. <laughs> yeah, sunset going to be like 515. And then we got to go Get up through. in the dark, come home in the dark. Yep, yep, absolutely. We talked about cover crops. And, well, we ca- talked about carbon sequestration and carbon markets last week. Just read a couple of good articles, sent you an article on uh, cover crops and some of the farmers out in the Midwest planting more cover crops. We are still in North Carolina planting more cover crops than they are at other parts of the nation. Talk about best practices, but we're almost in a catch-22 situation. If there is going to be carbon markets, if you're only going to get credits for what you're doing new that you haven't done in the past, everybody's going to sit on the sideline until something happens. Isn't that true? That's been my point all along. I mean, if you're if you're already doing the practice and you're not going to get credit for it, maybe you lay out a year and, and start over again. I don't know, but it didn't make sense to me that you don't figure out how to get someone credit for something they're already doing that would be considered a best management practice. I think there will be some folks who might embrace it, but they're going to wait. Sit See, on the I sideline. You want to figure out how to monetize it. Yeah. By the way, the Fed met last week, didn't raise interest rates, not going to cut them. Uh, the question is how long before they do cut rates. But follow-up to what was an early precursor of Turner Economics, U.S. economy growth recipe, the secret is revealed, and that is to raise productivity. The labor, Imagine that. <laughs> labor, I've never heard that before. Labor Department had positive. That's profound. I'm so, I'm so glad. That, that is profound that someone agrees with Jeff. Oh, it's still the minority. Reporting 4.7% annual growth increase in labor productivity marks the second quarter that we've actually become more productive workers have in the United States. So, uh, okay. So that might help on the inflation front. I hope so. And, you know, the jobs report came in on Friday and it was a lot softer than had been anticipated. But then they went back and they revised downward the September and August numbers by over 100,000 jobs that had been overreported. I wonder how many they overreported in the October report. We'll see. But again, economists, figures don't lie, but liars figure. So. <laughs> U.S. Department of Commerce announced substantial reduction in duties on phosphate fertilizers imported from Morocco and elsewhere. Actually, so uh, we're already seeing a little bit of help with uh, pesticides, insecticides, and fertilizer. 
So maybe some of the input costs going down. It certainly appears that uh, inputs are coming down. We've not looked at great cotton prices, but uh, this could affect India's cotton production could fall 7%. Large cotton producing nation, their uh, cotton production for 23-24 likely to fall, and uh, lower planted areas, El Nino weather situation. So Cotton Association of India says they could increase their imports up 1.25 billion bales from last year. Yeah, you mentioned the weather. Some folks say we're going to have a cold, wet winter because the La Nino effect. And now <laughs> those same meteorologists, meteorologists are saying, oh, it may be drier and warmer. Meteorologists, economists. A lot of folks hope for a warmer winter, but we, we want that cold snap to knock out some of those pests. Well, I think you're right, and I suspect we got some of that already. I, I think the mosquitoes are probably fewer today than they were a week or so ago so that'd be just fine thing. and gnats man i was in bertie county uh two weeks ago and the gnats were about eating me wrap up, you so. up oh yep. man we, yep. if anybody's got a good recipe for that you can hit me at dan at ibxmedia.com <laughs> i'd love to know that anything else in your mind mr turner uh, it looks like avian influenza is still in check but we have an outbreak of what we call ilt that's uh, in Duplin County right now. That's that's really devastating to chickens, especially. If it gets in a flock of chickens, they're gone. You know, there are other things other than avian influenza that we have to worry about. So, highly infectious. Yes, and highly infectious, highly contagious. Uh, it too is a respiratory, but it's where's it's it come? Not good. Where's it come from? It's a virus. It's a, it's another virus. It's actually, um, I think it's actually a herpes type virus. Hmm. As far as you know, not transferable to humans? No, no, this is strictly a poultry problem. We talk about diversification, and we've got one farmer coming up, or two brothers, I should say, just ahead, that uh, went from the farm to the machinery manufacturing business. They've got equipment worldwide, so it's going to be a good interview. That's just ahead on Ag and NC. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is the only GMC Chevy dealer in eastern North Carolina to become an Ag Pack dealer. Which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you might already use. Everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the Ag Pack program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace or online at BillCaroneGM.com. This is Ag and NC. I'm Dan Miller. Along with Jeff Turner, we're joined by Randy Watkins. Randy and his brother Don are the founders of Granville Equipment, made right here in North Carolina. Primarily tobacco equipment, but I get ahead of myself. Randy, tell us where you're born and brought up and a little bit about your involvement in agriculture. Uh, we grew up on the farm we own now, what a business is on. Uh, well, actually, it was my great uncle's farm. My granddaddy owned part of the farm, and then my daddy bought a lot from my great uncle. And so, but but it's it's still right here on the farm, Granville County, out of a little community called Providence. Around here, the, the farming was really kind of small. It was so many farmers. I mean, it was the, everybody in the community farm. It, w- it wasn't like it is now. Back then, if you had a neighbor, they they raised tobacco. That's what they raised. We've always raised tobacco here because we don't have enough open land to to do a lot with green. So, you know, you need a high output crop to, to be able to feed your family and all. Do you still farm, and what do you farm now? We still raise tobacco. Uh, my son does the farming in there, and uh, my brother also farms. He's a partner in the business. He also farms, too, and his son raised tobacco and, and green, too. Uh, he on our, on our farm with my son, and we are 
we raised sweet potato salsa. And what was the inspiration, the need for uh, the lack of labor, or uh, so you just came up with a better idea for the equipment? Well, we had always built some equipment for our own use, and we already had the basic equipment here to build. But I didn't think we wanted just because what of a, a new plasma coat come out, we could, we could use it to repair our own equipment. So we bought plasma cutters, welders, uh, punches, and stuff like that. We, we had that on the farm here. My brother got the tobacco pulp flow in town, and he had already wanted a, a, a square sheet to go into the base of the truck when we used to haul it in the sheets, you know, so it filled the bottom of the truck out good up to the rails. And we built them for a few farmers around the, the uh, square hoop to, to pack your tobacco in, and we found out how much you could put in there then. If you could put 400 pounds on a pile with your feet, stomping it down, you know you could take a hydraulic ram and, you know, get the 750 in there. And so he was working on the tobacco market in Maryland. And all of the bailers that had come out with it were uh, horizontal bailers, and they were terribly expensive. And, and uh, people with Philip Moss told him that unless we come up with a bailer that was economical for the farmer to own and to be able to use, you got, back then all the farmers were small. They couldn't afford that. Me and uh, brother started working on a little 54-inch bailer that had the hydraulic rams on it and pressed it down. We started selling those. We've been hauling them back for years in sheets, and, and the bales were just so much better. You put them in a van; it was, it was just it was just so much better. What year are we talking? That was '98 when they first started. You know, the bar company was given an incentive back then. They paid more for the tobacco, give you incentive if it was on a bale, and that really pushed it on really hard then. So the change that's occurred. All the neighbors were farmers back. Prior to 1998, I, 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 Pink Hill, oh, where I gosh, come yeah. from, is, you know, we had two tractor dealerships, two car dealerships, and as consolidation took place within the farming community, all of those things kind of went away. And instead of having 45 or 50 folks in the, in the community buying a tractor, you only had one or two, and they wanted something larger. And you're confirming everything that we know, the, the consolidation in, in farming and the consolidation in tobacco. There's still good demand for tobacco, I suppose. I mean, Philip Morris and all the, the big guys are still buying on contract. We go through highs and lows just like any market does. The biggest difference now is, is, is you just got so many fewer people doing it, but we're, we're, we're so much larger now than we were back then. You know, everybody's four to ten times bigger than they were like when we started. I mean, to sell two or three hundred bailers a year, one no big deal back then because there was that many in the back farmers. Now it's more of a challenge because it's, you take one piece of equipment you sell and it, it, it uh, they, they do a lot more with it than they did back then. As farms have gotten bigger, demand has gotten bigger, you've actually fabricated products to kind of keep up. Well, we had to. In other words, if, if we didn't mechanize and move from what we were doing in the 80s and 90s, we couldn't compete with overseas at all. You know, you know what I'm talking about? We were so much higher than they were. It was so much hand labor in it. It took a lot of people to do it. After the bailer, we started in, in the other things. You know, we went from that, we went to the leaf loader. The leaf loader was a big hit too. The majority of the people do use our leaf loader to rake in the back. And we went with PLCs and touch screens and, and, and things like that that it took the place of people. In other words, you know, if you, you're sitting down and you're loading a box and, and you need to stop it at 800 pounds, you ain't got to hire a man to stand down and try to try to hit, leave it to stop it at 800. It automatically does it. All that kind of 
led into that we needed to be more mechanized to get the job done. It may be helpful to kind of go back and you said that you guys had the contract to take the tobacco off the floor. Back in the days prior to the baler, make sure I get this right, you would you would take it in the sheets and move it to a, to the green green prizery. Yeah. And yep. and it would be packed into hogsheads at the green prizery before it went to the processing plant. We've hauled it a, a lot of it we got off the floor and put it onto the truck to take it to the prize room, you know, for them to process it there. Uh, this the, the baler kind of took that it it helped with them to be more efficient, I suppose, rather than having to go take it empty the sheet and put it in a hogshead. It cut labor by as the people working on the White House floor, it, it cut about 80 to 90%. Back then, back then, we first started for local, like when our general processors were working, they would stack four or five sheets on top of a rolling jack and, and roll it onto a truck where you didn't get anything on the truck because it took up so much room. When we moved to bales, you could back a 48-foot up there and load it from front to back, you feel what I mean? So it just, and you didn't have to have any people to pick that bale up. You know, you've done everything with a forklift. We'll take a quick break. Be right back. We're talking with Randy Watkins of Granville Equipment Company. You're listening to Agriculture in North Carolina. Thanks to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, got to BNC, North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than agriculture, it's got to BNC. I'm Dan Miller on Talk 96.3 and 103.7, along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Randy Watkins of Granville Equipment Company. Who's the who's the one of the two of you? Are you Randy or is it Don that's the uh the, the the serial inventor? Both of us really do it. You know, uh I do the drawings and the AutoCAD and stuff like that, but but both of us really do it, you know. You gotta start with an idea how to make something work and we were raised priming the biker, you know, so we know the biker, you know, because we've done it so long. So it's not only in the in the biker had to be mechanized, but the way everybody produced farm machinery on a small level, not like John D. already had everything like this, Case I H and all them had it. But Roanoke, Taylor, and all them, Taylor had they they had not kind of moved into the all C and C and all that back then. And we went all C and C, and that that really helped on on the quality of the product and 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 this time and speed it took to build it too. So you're kind of in a niche market. You always look for something new to jump into. You make a bunch of hemp equipment. Well, everybody seemed to take a shot at industrial hemp, I should say. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, boy, it was bigger in the in the uh, idea phase than it was in reality. But have you been able to m- make bank on any of the things that you've uh, fabricated for the hemp industry? It, believe it or not, I, we went a few years with, with nobody calling about hemp equipment. We had a full line all the way from a hemp hog to the went into the field that chopped it and put it in the dump box, looked very similar to our stripper. We had it totally mechanized to go right into the leaf loader, right into your buck bonds, come out, and a thrasher when it come out, go and all that. But like you said, all went away. We talk about hemp a lot, and obviously you've built some equipment for hemp. Do you see a future there? Not here in North Carolina, though. In Oklahoma, Colorado, and places like that, you know, they are, I've got to call a man today on one. Uh and, and it was people come from all over the country and all over the world. We were shipping buck bonds and all, all, all the way out to Oregon. We just went to our customers that we knew had extra buck bonds at the time. They wanted to sell some and, and, and bought them and, and got them ready for transport and all. But it, it's going to be a really niche market, I think. I don't know that in North Carolina it's going to come back because of our, we're more conservative on our laws here. 
Do I think he'll ever be anything close to the biker? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think he'll ever be anything close to the biker. The biker's still king in North Carolina. People, people don't realize how much of it. There's still a lot of the biker race is. Randy, where's the bulk of your business done? We've sold all all over the world. Uh, even you know, sent a lot of equipment to China. You know, for they wanted to set up what what you call a show farm over there. We went over there and set them up. The core of our business is Eastern North Carolina. South Carolina and South Georgia are uh, it kind of rolls in that kind of deal. South Georgia used to be real big. That was that was where we started at was down in South Georgia. The farmers down there were not using as many H two A labels laborers than all in South Georgia. Their family was doing a lot of the work. So if you took something out of them that would save labor, it was a big deal to them. But the spot and made virus really put a damp on them down there. That's that's the reason so much they've lost so much of the market down there. In Florida too, we we sold bales. Florida was big time. Now I don't think we got but one or two in Florida that even fall. Randy, give us an idea of kind of the volume that you have, the number of employees and uh, and shop space and that sort of thing. Just kind of an overview of of Granville as a uh, as a manufacturer. Oh Lord, I don't know how many. We got about six buildings, and you know, largest one's about sixty by one fifty, and we do all our fab work in that building, and then it moves from there to the, of course, to the wash station. And then it goes into a paint room that's got the computerized paint mixing equipment to put the, we use a marine type epoxy on the tra- on all the equipment, all the equipment. And then we top coat it. And, uh, then it moves from that to the finishing shop. And then we got a, a one shop that's set up primarily just for belting. We sell a lot of belting because it's a lot of belting and conveyors involved. And, uh, employees, Back when we were really built, back in, say, 16, 17, 18, and all back then, we were running anywhere from 40 to 50. Going through the deal with COVID and the trade war with China cut us way back. We run about 20, 25 now. You still see a, a fairly healthy tobacco economy. A lot of, still a, a good number of folks that, that are going to be planting tobacco into the future. Tobacco is coming back. I mean, it went back up last year. I mean, this year, and I feel like it's going up again next year. Uh, like I said, it's always gone up and down ever since I come out of high school, uh, you know. But it it seems to always stay here somehow. Or another. North Carolina always seems to pull a rabbit out of that. How about that? And Virginia also. Virginia, Virginia is growing. They got young farmers in Virginia starting to race tobacco. But uh, but things slow down sometimes, and then they pick up. You know. It's, like I said, it's, it's, uh, I don't worry about it too much. I'm not worried about the biker going out. It's, I think we, if we get mechanized far enough, we can compete with overseas because the overseas tobacco is starting to cost companies more. I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable with it. Randy, thanks so much for talking to us and giving us a little background on how Granville came to be. I've seen your your brown color a, a whole lot across eastern North Carolina. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Eastern North Carolina has been, uh, been real good to us. Randy Watkins, along with brother Don Watkins, founders of Granville Equipment. This is Agriculture in North Carolina on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations. Lending solutions for farms, land, and homes personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. Our thanks to April and BG at the Farmer's Connection. If you've not put a copy in your hand, I highly recommend it. Farmer's Connection is a newsprint magazine with information and ads from dealers and suppliers right here in North Carolina. 
Check out used equipment prices from folks like Mark Chesson and Sons in Williamston, Cab's Trailer in Dover, Bell Gray Pickerhead Repair in Cresswell, and Premier Equipment in Rocky Mount, Enfield, Washington, and Aden. And you can check out the auction schedules from folks like our buddy Jason Acock Auctioneering. Jeff and I touched earlier on an email I got from Dr. Mike Martin when I asked him about high-path avian influenza. He said, we've had a flock of cases nationally since the beginning of October, and up until last week, mostly have been in the northwest portion of the country, 16 affected states in the last 30 days, but nothing extending east of Minnesota. This week, a little movement east, but nothing so far as the Atlantic Flyway. We've added Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama as far as states that are closer to North Carolina. So good news, nothing so far in North Carolina or the Atlantic Flyway this migration season, but the risk is still there, so we're ever vigilant. Now let's review last week's commodity numbers as they compare to the prior week. December live cattle futures rose $1.65 for the week to close at one eighty three eighty seven and a half. January feeder cattle futures fell on Friday but closed up for the week at four oh five, end of the week at two thirty nine seventy five. Hog futures gave back a portion of Thursday's big gains on Friday. Nearby December ended up one twenty seven and a half on the week to close at seventy one seventy five and a half. Last week's futures action strongly suggests traders and industry insiders now are more optimistic about winter spring price prospects. Ag prices were steady on small, higher on the balance when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Wednesday, November 1st for small lot sales of delivered carton grade A eggs was 160.36 for extra large, 141.44 for medium, and $92 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was mixed three cents lower to 40 cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 4.55 to 5.31 at the feed mills and 4.35 to 5.35 at the elevators through Thursday, November the second. Number one yellow soybeans were steady to 23 cents lower, ranged 12.82 to 13.38 at the processor, mostly 12.18 to 12.84 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was steady to 35 cents lower, ranged 5.08 to 5.50 at the elevators. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery: soybeans were 12.33 to 13.27. That's this week's agriculture in North Carolina. Subscribe to the longer podcast version free on Apple or Spotify, or download the IBX Media app. Details on all that and links to our sponsor on our website agnnc.com. Thanks to Ag Carolina Farm Credit. First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Ag and NC, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. For Jeff Turner, myself, Dan Miller, make it a great week.